Thank you, babe. Well, if you hadn't noticed yet, you're stuck with me again this week. <clears throat> the, last, the last two weeks, I have um, thought it was my last week with you guys. And then last week, I got a call, and Brother Charles said, did I ask you to, to lead this Wednesday? And I said, well, well, no, sir. And he said, well, well, can you lead this Wednesday? And I said, well, yes, sir. And then last week, I told you that was my, my last week with you guys for a while. And then Sunday, he mentioned that he was, you know, going back down south, and I thought he would be back. Um, so I called him either Monday or Tuesday and said, hey, what's the plan on Wednesday? And he wrote back and he said, ha-ha, that's never good. That's never good. He said, uh, can, you, can you lead it again? And so, uh, so here we are, and I am, I tell you, I am glad to be here um, we're gonna. I, I was working on. We're not going back to the churches. I thought we were done with the churches and uh, started looking at that again. Just didn't didn't feel like I had enough time to really present another church the way it should have been presented. I was I was working on this message a while back. Philippians chapter two. You can go ahead and begin to open. I, I was looking over this a while back and uh, had just a, a short amount of time to get something together. And so we're going to be looking in Philippians chapter two. At a, a guy, it's even hard to say his name, and so it might be a, a rough evening. I don't know. We're going to be looking at Epaphroditus. I think I said it right that time. That may be the last time I, I say it right. We're not going to call him Bubba. That, that may be what we, <coughs> what we end up doing. But we're going to look at him and look at his life and just see what we can learn from him. So let, let's read our text And then we'll just study the Word of God, see where we get to tonight. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. Philippians 2, uh, verse uh, 25. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed, Because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor. Such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Here we see an unsung hero in our Bible. We're going to call him Eddie, okay? We'll go from bubble to Eddie because at least Eddie starts with an E, okay? Eddie is one of the unsung heroes in the Bible. He is a model of self-sacrifice. You think of men throughout history like William Carey and Hudson Taylor and David Livingston, and you think of these men who sacrificed so much for the kingdom of God. That's missing in our culture. The kind of sacrifice many times that we talk about is is almost superficial compared to what we see in the lives of, of many of the great men and women throughout history that we look at and we study and we begin to just be in awe of the way that they were so surrendered to the things of Christ. And I believe that Eddie is a wonderful, godly example of a man who lived a sacrificial life. 
When I look through the Bible, I read about guys like John the Baptist, and I read about the disciples, and I read about Moses, and I read about all these, all these godly, godly men. But, but sometimes if we're not careful, we see these names and we begin to elevate them to this position. And it's almost like it's something that we can try to be like. It's something that we can try to uh, reach, we can look up to. But there's something in our mind that says there's something so special about these men and these women that we can never really reach it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there, there's biblical characters that I look at, and I might try to be like them. I might try to learn from their life, but they are so gifted, and they're so close to the Lord. Sometimes it just seems like it is so far away. The faith that they exercised was so great. They sacrificed so much for the kingdom of God. But when we look at Eddie tonight, we see just a regular guy. We find a guy that he doesn't have uh, these incredible gifts. He's not a statesman. He's not an apostle. There's no indication that he was even an elder in the church. His ministry was not dynamic he was not unforgettable. He was not earth-shaking. You would have met Eddie, and your life would have moved on, and you would have been the same. You would have seen him walking down the street, and he would have been a guy just like any other guy. He was just another man, another person in the body of Christ that was just doing his best. He was a man that was doing the best that he had with what God had blessed him with. And so when we look tonight and we look at a, a man like this, it's kind of like he's on the same level as the rest of us. It's not like he's way up here and he's been blessed with all these supernatural gifts. We don't see that in the Bible. We don't, we don't see about his background in the Scripture. We don't see about his parents in the Scripture. We don't find out about his conversion in the Scripture. We don't even know what his role was in his church. It's very likely that he was one of Paul's early converts when Paul went to Philippi. And now we find that Paul is in prison for around two years. He's in prison. He is separated. And the Philippian church hears that their, their friend, their loved one, Paul, is in prison. And so what they want to do is they want to gather an offering. They want to take up money. And they want to send it to Paul. They want to be a blessing in his life. They want to minister to his needs. And so they've got to find somebody to take it to Paul. And they select our friend Eddie. And so I want to just look. This is probably not a scripture you've heard preached much. I don't know if I've heard it preached. But I want to just look at some different details about this man's life that we can draw from, that we can infer from, and that we can be challenged by. The first thing I want to, I want to see, I, I imagine, is um, that Eddie was a godly man. They're taking an offering they're taking money. They're sending someone who will minister to Paul. We know that Paul is a very godly man. Paul is a, a righteous man. Paul is a man like no other man in this time. He has a, a reputation of being godly. And so I can just imagine as they look through this church and they look through the congregation and they begin to look down. I don't know if they had pews, but let's say they begin to look down the pews. First thing they look for is someone who is godly. Paul would be a good judge of character. They wouldn't want to send someone that's a fake. They wouldn't want to send someone that's a phony. They wouldn't want to send someone that wasn't living the godly life. And so as they get ready to send this 
offering. As they get ready to send someone to minister to his needs, they look for someone in their church that embodies what a Christian should be. And I believe as they're looking and they're searching and they're trying to think of the right one and they're looking for the qualities and the characteristics, they come up with our buddy Eddie. And they say, we know he's godly. We know he's godly. We know that, that Paul will like him. And, and the next thing we see is that he's a servant. He, he had to be a servant. It's likely maybe he was a deacon in this church. It, it, it's very likely that his life was built around serving others. You know anybody like that? You know anybody that they are just a servant? There's a lot of people that always say they want to help, but when you need help, they always have an excuse not to help. Right? We know people like that. But then every once in a while, it's not often, you don't find many people like this. Every once in a while, you find someone and they just have a servant's heart. And if you go to them with a problem, they don't just say, I'll pray for you. They want to come and they want to help you with the problem. They want to get involved in your life. And I can just imagine as they're looking for someone, they say, we've got to find somebody first who is godly in their character. But secondly, We've got to find someone who's a servant. We've got to find someone who's going to be willing to leave their life behind, someone who's going to be willing to travel, someone who's going to be willing to put in the work, someone who is selfless. And so they start looking through again. They say, well, he's godly, but he's not, uh, he's not a servant. He's Eddie. He is godly, and, and he's got a servant's heart. He's always trying to help people. And then they, they found another quality he had to have. He's also got to be courageous. Now, I just told you, where is Paul at right now? He's in jail. He's in prison. Paul could lose his life at any moment. And so the one that's taken the gift to Paul just is going to be guilty by association. It could be that he ends up losing his life just by going to be around Paul. And so they're looking, they're finding someone that's godly, they're finding someone who is a servant, but then they've got to have someone who's courageous. Someone who's not scared, someone who's not timid, someone who is ready to go and follow the Lord no matter what it's going to cost them. And so they're looking through the pews, they're looking through the people, they're looking through the directory, and if they had those, they're looking through the little stone tablet, and all of a sudden they come across Eddie, and they say, this is, this is the man. This is the, he's all that. He, he's godly. He's a servant, and this man is courageous. This man is tough. This man is not scared. This man is not going to back down. Question, real quick. If we were looking for someone to do that, who would we choose? If we're looking for someone, we're looking, number one, for someone who's godly. Will we stop at your name? If as a church we come together, we're looking for someone, first of all, who's godly. Would we, would we pick some of us in here? We're looking for someone who's a servant. Are, are you a servant? Do you like to serve others? Do you like to, to go and be helpful to other folks? If we're looking for someone who is courageous and they're strong in the faith and they're not timid and they're not going to back down and we're looking for these three qualities, would we come across your name and say, they fit the bill? <clears throat> they fit the bill. We see that is, is true about Eddie. But then we see uh, verse 25 he says, I thought it necessary to send to you Aphroditus, we'll use his real name, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. Notice there's five things in verse 25 he says about 
Eddie. Let's look at them real quick. The first three relate to Paul. We see more characteristics of him. First thing we see is he calls him what? He calls him my, my brother. He says, I'm going to send Eddie back to you. He is my brother. Now, when they would use this, you see this term used a lot in the Bible. It's a term of endearment. Now, Paul had not spent a great deal of time with Eddie. They had not been together long. But in the short amount of time they were together, Paul is already calling him my brother. Paul's already saying there is affection in my heart. There's a kindred spirit in my heart. I am attached to this man. I like this man. I enjoy the company of this man. I enjoy the presence of this man. There's a a common fellowship. There is a common love. And so he says the first thing that I'll tell you about him is this is my brother. It ought to be that among brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a unity You read through the Bible, and you're going to see that is one of the the themes that comes up over and over and over and over again. And it's not just that we ought to be unified with the world, but it ought to be that when when it comes to the body of Christ, there's a unity. We don't come, we don't talk bad about each other. We don't come in with a critical spirit talking about what we do like and what we don't like, but we come together because we are the family of God. When I think about family... Think about my kids. I hate when my kids fight. And you know what they do all the time? They are, they're in the stage right now. You can ask my wife. It's driving me nuts. They're fighting all the time. I'm going to beat them. I mean, every day, every day I'm telling my kids, I'm going to beat you if you do that one more time. I've got to stop saying that. But they're driving me nuts. They're fighting over the silliest stuff. And I just, I just got to think that God is looking down, and when he sees his children, and they're, they're fighting, they're bickering, and they're going back and forth, and they're, they're doing all this, wham, 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 all this kind of stuff, he's got to be the same way as we are as parents and be like, just stop it. Don't do that. Just stop it. And that's why he says over and over in the Word that we are to be unified. We're to love each other. This is our, our body of believers right here. I'm to love you, and you're to love me. That's tough. I'm sorry. You got the bad end of that deal, but you're, you're to love me. It doesn't mean you always like what I do. I, I get that. It doesn't mean that, that I always do things right. It doesn't mean you always do things right, but it means that our love is deeper than that, and our love is not based upon what we do or how we act or any of that. Our love is based upon the fact that we are children of God, and we're in this family, and we're on the same mission. We're on the same team. So we're going through life together, and we have this deep connection and this deep mind. And the Word of God makes it very clear if there's someone, especially in the household of faith, and you've got something wrong, you've got something against them, you need to go work that out to the best of your abilities. And I realize that we cannot control other people. And so sometimes all we can do is just forgive and then move on, even if they don't deserve forgiving, right? Sometimes we forgive someone who doesn't deserve it. But as Christians, that's what we do. Because we want to show love and we want to be unified together. And then he says something else. He calls him his fellow worker, So he says, I've got a great affection for this man. And then he says, he is my fellow worker. He says, I watch this man and he is working diligently. He's working hard. He's a man on a mission. He's not a man with idle hands. He's not just sitting around twiddling his thumbs. This man is my fellow worker. And notice what Paul says. He doesn't say he's below him. Now, when we think of Paul, we think of this great man of God that is planting churches, that's traveling, that is fighting off evil. I mean, this this great man, he doesn't make 
Eddie lower than him. He doesn't say, I'm doing all this work and Eddie's doing okay too. He doesn't say that. He says he's my fellow worker. He's on the same page. He's on the same level. In the short amount of time they've been together, he sees the drive in this man. You know, sometimes we get to a point in life and we, we see uh, people in their ministry and we, we begin to think, man, I wish I had that gift. Well, when I hear someone sing, I love my wife when she sings, and I, I wish, man, I could sing like that. I would love to be able to sing. I can't. It's bad. One time I was singing and one of these guys left my mic on and it was on the website and I listened to it and I had to tell him, you got to take that down. It was so bad. I don't have that gift. I hear other preachers come in, and I'm thinking, man, if I could preach like that, if I had that type of gift, I, I know the Lord's called me to preach, and I appreciate that. I'm mean, going to love that, but if I could just preach better, <laughs> if I could just do better with it, start looking at a gift and say, I wish I could be like that. You notice in this, he says he's my fellow worker. He doesn't put it on levels. He doesn't say, I'm up here and you're down here. That's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is a body. We have different parts. We have different actions. And when we all come together and we begin to work together, the kingdom of God flourishes. And we begin to work and we begin to do our part. And so it's not this level system, but he says, we're working hand in hand. And then he has another title. He says, he is a fellow soldier. He's a, a commander-in-chief. He's a fellow leader, and he's picturing that they are in warfare. He is a soldier. Who's he a soldier for? Of course, he's a soldier for Christ. And so he's, he's watching this man. He says, I, I love this man. He is, my, he is my brother. He's my fellow worker, and he's a, a soldier. He said, how did he know that? What's he talking about? We don't know for sure. But I, I can just imagine as he's going from day to day with Eddie, he's watching, and he sees the, the courage in him. And I don't think he's talking about a physical warrior. He's talking spiritually. He's talking about a man he's go, that he's going through life with and a man that sees past the physical, and he sees the spiritual warfare around him. And he says, this is my fellow soldier. If I'm going into a battle, I'll take old Eddie with me because he is a soldier, and I want him having my back. And so he begins to explain what Eddie is to him. They have this kindred spirit. They're partners in the work. They see the spiritual battles all around them. Another question for you. They spent very little time together. Say someone spends a few weeks with you. Say somebody spends a month with you. What do they say about you after that month? It's scary for me to think about, I'll tell you. I think it would be more negative than good, right? What would they say about you? What about today? I know it's hard to think about a month. What about today? You can think back to today. I can think back to today. If somebody followed you, they were with you every minute of the day today, and they came up and they gave us a report on your life today, and they had to just pull out some qualities, what would they say about you today? Man, that person is godly. That person is a servant. That person's a fellow worker. That person's a soldier for Christ. That person loves people. Or would they say that that guy's a jerk? That guy's selfish. That person is only concerned about themselves. What would they say about you? Watching you just throughout today. What positive would they say? What negative? I look at my life, there's both, and I realize that. 
You probably see the same in your life. But then there's two more qualities he gives. We're just going through qualities. And the next two relate more so to the church than to Paul. He says, fourthly, he says, you are a messenger. You're a messenger from the church. Uh, You can say apostle. You're the one. Apostle means to send out. You're the one that has been sent out from this church. There's something special about you. They sent you out on a mission. And fifthly, he says, why did you come? You came to minister. You came to minister to my needs. You came to minister to my needs in the way the church maybe fell flat. You came and you made up for it. The word minister is interesting. It's where the word uh, comes from that's talking about how in a political stance where someone would go and they would make a sacrifice of their life for the betterment of the people. And so he's saying he came to minister, he sacrificed of himself, and he did that for me. He wasn't selfish. He was selfless. He left his home. He left his family. He left his job. He left his friends. He left his church. He put his life on the line is what we see. He was to the point of death, and he did that because he was faithful to the things of Christ. He was faithful, and it didn't matter what it cost. And so when you look at old Eddie for just a few minutes, you begin to see that there's something special about him. He's not the guy that would get up and deliver this incredible message. He's not the guy that would get up and deliver this incredible song and sing so pretty it just it was amazing. That, that wasn't Eddie. He was a man that was just faithful day in and day out. He was a man that, that lived a godly life. Doesn't mean he didn't mess up, but he would wake up and he would strive with all of his might to live a life of godliness. He was a man that would put others above himself. He was a man that, that just tried to live what he believed. And then we see that, that he had to go home. Look at verse 26. Let's read it again. <clears throat> so I'm going to send him back to you, Ephroditus, for he has been longing for you all, and he has been distressed. Why? Because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now Paul says he's sending Ephroditus back. Back to the Philippian church. And so it's puzzling. Why was he sending him back? He loved him. He appreciated his work. He appreciated his efforts. But the Bible says he sent him back because he was distressed. The Bible says he was distressed. He was confused. He was restless. He was distracted. It's the same word that's used in Matthew 26 where Uh, They're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. It's the same word. He is distressed. He's at this difficult point in his life. And so the question is, why was he upset? Well, he, he was sick, almost to the point of death, but that's not why he was upset. The reason he was upset, the Bible says, is because you had heard that he was sick. Now, In that, you get a real good picture of his heart. He wasn't distressed because of his own ailments. He wasn't distressed because life was hard for him. Why was he upset? 
because you had heard that he was sick, even to the point of death. The, what broke his heart, what gave him such distress is that the Philippian church, the people he cared about, the people that he loved were concerned about him. And they were worried about him. And they didn't know if he was going to be okay. And they didn't know if he was going to make it. And so he was concerned, he was distressed, and he was broken because they were concerned and they were distressed and they were broken. Does that make sense? It's almost like this. When you're, you're going through something tough in life, we've been there, right? You're going through something difficult. Maybe you're waiting on a, a doctor's call. Maybe you just got something in your life, something's troubling. Something's going on in your life. And you've got some loved ones, you've got some friends, you've got some people that really care about you, and you look at them and you see that their heart is breaking because your heart is broken. That's what's going on. He sees people that he loves and their heart is is broken and it's hurting for him. And he wants so badly to go to them and to say, hey, it's okay, I'm okay, look at me, this is all okay. I don't if that when I when I got this and I understood why he's upset, you see a man that has a deep love. You see a man that is is selfless and he has built relationships. When he thinks about his his church, the family that he's got in church, it's more than just associates. It's more than acquaintances. His heart is breaking with such distress. And the reason why is because they are worried about him. He's sick to the point of death. It says he, he claim, came close to death after the work of Christ. <clears throat> He's a man of great sacrifice. It said he risked his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. It means that he gambled. He, he went to a place that his life could have ended. Oh, Eddie was a guy that was loyal, that was faithful, that was humble, that didn't complain, and he lived a life of, of sacrifice. <clears throat> Verse 29, we see his reception. It says, Therefore, receive him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. <clears throat> when you find someone like Eddie, and, and there's some men and women in here like that, when you find someone and they just are trying to live a life that honors God. <clears throat> they help others when they can. They live a life of godliness. They live a life of character. They live a life of virtue. They're courageous. They don't back down. They're not timid. They're willing to stand up when others are not. They're willing to do what is right. When you find a man like that, when you find a woman like that, hold them in high regard. That's what he's telling this church to do. When Eddie comes back, Hold him in high regard. Value him. Realize how special this is. Realize what he is. He's an example of, the Bible says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work to his good pleasure. So do all things without grumbling or complaining. Oh, Eddie was a man who carried out the work of Christ. There are very few Pauls. There's very few Timothys. There's very few Peters. 
There's very few of, of the great men and women we see in the Bible, but there can be many Eddies. There can be many. Just a regular guy, but he did what was right. I, I don't know. In your life, in my life, as we, we try to go through it, there, there may be times we look around and we say, I'm not all that special. How could God use me? And so I just want to remind you, God can use you. God can use you and God can use me. What do we do? We just wake up in the morning and we say, God, I, I want to be used for your kingdom today. However small that is, whatever little part I can play in it, Lord, that's what I want to do today. I don't have to have some elaborate gift. I don't have to have the applause of men. I don't have to have my name in the paper, the bulletin, the newsletter, the, on the news station, none of that. I don't need that. But, Lord, I just want to be faithful to you. And so now every time you get to Philippians chapter 2, you're going to think of Eddie. Not Ephroditus, because that's really hard to say, and we're not going to say that. So we're going to say Eddie. And remember, Eddie was just a regular guy, but God used him in big ways. We're regular folks, but God can use us in incredible ways. Lord, thank you for tonight, God. Thank you for the men and women who have come tonight. Lord, I pray that there's been a challenge tonight, but also, God, just some encouragement some encouragement that, that you use us, God. You use us as we are. When we wake up and we decide to follow you and we live a life that is committed to you, we live a life that is surrendered and dedicated to you, God, that's the type of people you want to use. And so, Lord, as, as we look to the future here at Woodland Hills, I pray that you will uh, raise us up, God. Raise us up to, to live for you, to be surrendered to you, God, to be dedicated to you, just like Aphrodite was, God, that, that we would be um, men and women who are faithful and committed. We have integrity and character. We're courageous. We're servants, God. We're workers. We're soldiers. And we're just living a life that honors you. Let that to be true of us here at Woodland Hills, God. I pray you'll bless us. I pray that you will use us, God, to impact our community. I pray that even as we close up right now, God, that you have done a great work through our children and through our teenagers, God, and our, our young ones, God, and through the choir and all the ministries that are meeting. Lord, we, we realize you blessed us, and we pray that continues. Uh, Lord, be with the work that's going on in southeast Texas. I pray that, uh, God, that is being put back together and that, that your light is shining brightly. Thank you for those who are working. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here with us once again tonight. There is a, a prayer list on your way out, and believe that's pretty, pretty up to date with all the latest prayer requests. Um, anybody got anything we need to add to this? Yes, sir. Okay. We sure can. Diane Border. Remember her? Yes, ma'am. Right. Denise left, go back to Haiti uh, yesterday. And so I pray for Denise. She travels and, uh, or was it today? <clears throat> today, okay. I saw her yesterday. That's one thing. But she's traveling and uh, built some good relationships and great ministry in Haiti. She goes there often. So keep her in your prayers. Okay. Anything else? All right. Yes, sir. Oh. They had to 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. A praise, y'all. We are in our uh, building for eternity. We are at four hundred and ninety-nine thousand dollars and a few more. And so, remember, our, our first goal was to get to five hundred thousand, and we are so close to being there. I know we'll be there uh, by Sunday or at least Sunday. And so, praise the Lord for that, y'all. Thank you for. We're talking about sacrifice. Our church does not raise half a million dollars that quickly without lots of sacrifice. And so thank you for that. We are excited moving forward and I just hope it keeps coming in. Uh, we hadn't really even gone to the next step of, of discussing what are we going to do after this? Are we going to borrow money? Are we not going to borrow and try to raise it all? My prayer is that before we even get to that point, it'll all have, have come in. And so I know that is uh, your prayer also. And so praise the Lord, it keeps coming in at a uh, just a rapid pace. And uh, God's going to bless that for for many, many years, and so praise the Lord for that. All right, well, let us, let's pray together, and we'll be, we'll be dismissed, okay? Brother Allen, would you pray for us one more time, please?